well, how do we know where that line is between using the Lord's name appropriately and in a correct and reverent way versus taking the Lord's name in vain? And while, as with many things that are heart and motivation dependent, you know, it is hard to have a, a blanket statement here because uh, situations vary and only the individual knows their motivations or the contents of their heart. Now, I would say that a good general litmus test of sorts would be potentially to just ask ourselves... What is up, everybody? Welcome back to An Average Account of Exceptional Things. My name is Chandler, and I am your host. Thanks for joining us today. So, welcome back to our series on the Ten Commandments. And as you may have noticed, this episode is titled Part 3, which means that there is, in fact, a Part 1 and a Part 2. As with any series we've done, these episodes do sort of stand alone but they really go better as a whole sequence. So if you haven't listened to part one or part two, I would highly encourage you just go ahead and pause this episode real quick, give those a listen, and then come right on back to this one because I think that it can be really helpful to hear those episodes before we get into the topics we're going to discuss today. So with that, I will assume that if you're still here, you're in it for the long haul. So as we did with the last couple episodes, I want to start this off, uh, like every series, by reading the verses that this series comes from. These are going to be from Exodus chapter 20, and it's going to be verses 1 through 21. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments." You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, 
or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled, and they stood far off and said to Moses, You speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. All right, so with that scripture now back in the front of our minds, let's go ahead and get into our commandment for today's episode. And it comes from verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. So obviously, the first thing that I think we have to say here is that there's nothing wrong with using God's name in the correct application, obviously. In fact, even in just reading that passage from Exodus a moment ago, there were multiple names or titles referring to the Lord that were used. So clearly, this is not to say that there's somehow something in Scripture that, uh, that we shouldn't be speaking out loud. The key to this commandment here and the thing we have to recognize is that there needs to be consideration in how we are using the Lord's name. What is the motivation and the intention behind that use? And that's what we need to look at. And so that sort of begs the question, if we aren't supposed to take the name of the Lord in vain, and that is the key distinction, in vain, what does that phrase, in vain, mean? And where is the line there? How do we determine what is taking the name of the Lord in vain? Well, to get to that, I think we need to consider the definition for that phrase, in vain. And I want to actually do that by looking at the noun form of that word, vanity. What is the definition of vanity? Well, vanity means the quality of being worthless or futile. So when we read not to take God's name in vain, one key element here is that we should not be using the name of the Lord in any way that empties the name of its significance, right? The name of God is significant and powerful, and both when and how we use it should accurately reflect those characteristics because that is the reality. And when we use the name of the Lord, we should do that in a way that is honoring to God and that reflects that reality. And this means that we shouldn't be using the titles or, or names that refer to God in a way that is just sort of casual or flippant. You know, here's an example. Have you ever seen someone or heard of someone, you know, they get a little startled and they'll exclaim Jesus' name, followed by something like, you scared me half to death, or something like that. This is a prime example of a very casual or careless use. Because if you took off that use of Jesus' name at the beginning there, and they only said, you know, you really scared me, 
the meaning would be just the same. That use of the Lord's name in this instance is just sort of a throwaway exclamation of surprise. If you replace that with woe or yikes, you know, it would be exactly the same in terms of the meaning and even conveying their initial reaction. And it's not like in this instance, you know, that is used as an address, as if calling out to God in that context. Unless, of course, it was really the Lord Jesus Christ himself who came around from the corner and startled you. Now, that, of course, would be a special case, but I don't think that's the context in which this example typically plays out. And we can see it in any number of circumstances. You know, someone uh, cuts a person off in traffic and they exclaim, you know, in surprise or in frustration, the name of the Lord or Jesus' name, right? And now this is very different. I want to make this distinction clear. This is very different from someone who is scared or someone who's genuinely calling out to God for help as a result of that. Again, I think that this really comes down to the heart and the intention behind the use of those names or titles for God. A sudden reactive cry out to the Lord is not worthless or careless like using his name as a substitute for a generic exclamation. And just to prove that this isn't a baseless or an unsupported distinction that we're making here, let's consider a scriptural example of this. This is going to come from Matthew chapter 14, and it's going to be verses 22 through 33. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, and said, It is a ghost, and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, If it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Now, this is certainly a fairly well-known biblical story, and uh, hopefully we're all together on this, but there in the beginning of this passage, the he referred to is Jesus himself. And this is a well-known passage because the miracle of walking on water is so incredible and a just an amazing display of Jesus' power and magnificence here. But that's actually not what we're going to be focusing on here for this particular discussion. 
I want us to consider for a moment Peter's circumstance and response. And a lot of people as well will talk about the significance of Peter beginning to sink when he takes his eyes off of Jesus. And that is a very good point, and there's a lot to be discussed there and a lot that we can learn through that observation. But I really want to hone in on Peter's response when he begins to sink here. So let's consider for a moment Peter's circumstance and response here. Imagine that you are in Peter's place right here in this passage. The waves are strong, the wind is stout, and you're walking out on the water right there in the midst of it. And then you look away from Jesus, you see the rough weather, and you're scared. And then you begin to sink down into the water. Now, I don't think that there is a single person who, in that very same circumstance, would be cool and collected and unbothered. I mean, the weather's rough and you're starting to sink. That's a startling situation. I certainly would not have kept my composure by any means. And so what does Peter do? He cries out to Jesus immediately, Lord, save me. So here is a a sudden, genuine call to Jesus for help. It's not casual, it's not careless, or irreverent by any means. Right? Peter calls out to Jesus. Why? Because he recognizes that he doesn't have the power to save himself, but that Christ has the power to deliver him. And Peter is not vainly using the name of the Lord. In fact, when you really stop and take a look at his cry here, Lord, save me, it's very much a prayer and not at all a cheap or meaningless remark, just casually throwing out that name, Lord. I mean, he is, he's literally addressing Jesus. And it's much the same way, for instance, when we pray, right? Because when we pray, we are literally addressing God. We're talking and speaking to God. That's what prayer is. And so now, thinking about all that in a practical sense, you know, a good question that you may be considering here would be, well, how do we know where that line is between using the Lord's name appropriately and in a correct and reverent way versus taking the Lord's name in vain? And while, as with many things that are heart and motivation dependent, you know, it is hard to have a, a blanket statement here because uh, situations vary and only the individual knows their motivations or the contents of their heart. You know, I would say that a good general litmus test of sorts would be potentially to just ask ourselves, you know, am I using this either in a way that is addressing God or in a way that is referring to the Almighty God? Because those are both examples of uses that are respectful, reverent, and appropriate uses of the name of God. And I think that pretty much any 
use that truly carries and maintains the weight and magnificence of God will typically fall into one of those two categories. Because when we use that name, God or Lord, in a scriptural context, if we're reading scripture, we are literally talking about the Almighty God, and there is certainly a a weight to that, and there is a reverence that goes along with that. It's very much the same when someone is delivering a sermon, or uh, teaching, or having conversation, sharing the gospel. All those carry with them the recognition of who God is, and of his majesty, when we do that in a reverent and respectful way. And just consider a prayer offered to God, or calling upon his name. Implicit in that is the acknowledgement of who he is and his power to deliver us through those situations that we're making supplication for. And we can see that confirmed in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So there we see it again. Even by simply addressing God in prayer, there is an acknowledgement of who he is, of his sovereignty, right there in that. And so, once again, that is an example of certainly an appropriate use of the Lord's name, as long as that is in a reverent context. So that's one element of not taking the Lord's name in vain. This idea that we shouldn't throw around his name in a way that sort of cheapens it or lessens it in the way that we use it. Now there is another key point to this though. In addition to being intentional about using the Lord's name in a way that reflects his authority and majesty, not taking the Lord's name in vain also means that we should not be taking deceptive oaths in God's name or using his name irreverently. So you might be wondering how we get to those other two connections through this commandment. Well, Let's discuss that for just a moment here. Remember the definitions for vanity, and by extension, the adjective form used in this verse, vain, that we talked about earlier. If something is vain, it means that it's worthless or futile. So if a person takes an oath deceptively, for instance, and uses the Lord's name to do so, then he or she is acting in a way that does not reflect God's authority. I mean, just consider why someone would even invoke the name of God in making an oath in the first place. The reason that such an oath would carry this increased, or I would even say unmatched weight, is because of the power and authority of the Lord because people recognize the weight and significance of his holy name. So if an individual makes a false oath using God's name, that would effectively indicate that they either 
do not recognize or simply don't care about God's might and authority. So, how can we be sure to guard against this? Well, an answer that we can find in Scripture actually comes from Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 through 37. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. So that is very plain in these verses here. One easy way to avoid this is simply for us to refrain from taking oaths or swearing on things overall, completely. Now, in regards to not using God's name irreverently, I think that we've already touched on this a little bit today, but we can further see the importance of this element of the commandment in Leviticus chapter 24, which I will leave you to take a look at on your own for the sake of time here. I believe the specific verse references are going to be verses 10 through 16 there in Leviticus 24. But with regards to not taking the name of the Lord irreverently or disrespectfully, I believe that the simplest and perhaps most effective guard against this is just to have a true, reverent fear of God. Which, if you're interested in more on that topic specifically, I would point you to episodes 34 and 35 that we did on that very topic of fearing God. So with that in mind, I hope you'll join us next week as we continue our series looking at the Ten Commandments. And I pray that something said in this episode was a blessing or an encouragement to you. You know, this is one that I feel really is particularly relevant in our current culture where people sort of throw words and language around and our conversations have gotten very careless and very casual in the things that we allow to simply slip out of our mouths. So I think that this really brings into focus the importance of being cautious, being mindful, and most importantly, being intentional with the things that we say and the things that we don't say, right? The way that we use words and particularly the Lord's name and also the way that we should refrain from using them. So with all that said, I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of An Average Account of Exceptional Things. And until next time, encourage one another, love your enemies, and count your blessings. Mm-hmm.